Hey guys, you're listening to Mustangology, your go-to source for all things Mustang. Be sure to follow along on your favorite podcast streaming network. Yo, 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 yo. What'd it do? I just want to try to come in with a different entrance every single time. I stick to the same ones. Hello. <laughs> what it do do. What no, what what was uh what's the thing that you never heard me say? What <laughs> oh, oh word to big bird. Word to big bird. <laughs> How? In the twenty something years um, of life you've lived, you've never heard that. Twenty eight. Twenty eight years. But yeah, no. Wow. Well so today it is GT five hundred related. We have a uh certain gentleman that had the opportunity to pilot it pilot it down the the drag strip. Yeah. For the official numbers. Vegas? No. It's no? in Bradenton, Florida. Oh, what? Yeah, no, they had the GT500 launch out in Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay then. Face ID. It works. All right, so we're so about who, to So who, who are we giving a call? It is Revan Evan, a.k.a. Evan Smith. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's right. he's been super involved uh, with the Mustang community. He gets to go to all the events and do all the cool stuff and write articles for a lot of the media outlets. So he gets a first-hand look, and he'll he'll be able to share some pretty cool stories over the years and then also give us a good perspective. Let's do it. Let's give him yeah. a call. So we'll give him a call right now. Evan Smith. Hey, Evan. This is Jaron and Trevor on Mustangology. How are you? Great. How's it going, guys? Doing well. What's going on? Oh, just sitting here writing stories. I got a ton of content from the last few weeks. I'm trying to catch up. Heck yeah. Where have you where have you been the last couple of weeks? Uh, I've been to Las Vegas twice, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Los Angeles in the last four weeks. Nice. So the I guess the last one with LA was uh the Mach E. Yes, correct. Nice. Got what, back out there. What'd you think? For a week. I got there uh Got back last night. Love the car. I think it's going to do well. Uh, just like everybody else, uh, struggling a little bit with the name. <laughs> all right, all right. I hear you. Now, I, I think I think everyone's kind of kind of on that level. But no, I think uh, overall, I, I know we won't go too much into this because this one is more going to be based upon the GT500. But I'll leave my thoughts with this. I love it. I really do. Like I want my wife to drive it. But hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's going to have a fantastic place in in the marketplace and in somebody's garage. I think it's a great fit for the Ford lineup. Um, I think a lot of people are overreacting as far as the name goes, just completely hating on it and hating on Ford without understanding the really the reason behind the vehicle. Um, and then people love it. So there's there's a little a mix of both. I'm actually writing a story for Hot Rod Magazine on the Mustang Mach-E and more about the the effect it has in the to the enthusiasts more so than the technical aspects of it. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. Like when the S550 came out, even myself, I was against, you know, just the looks of it. I mean, a lot of people's argument is, you know, for some reason Mustang means a two-door and it's got a V8 in it. To me, a Mustang, it, it's an experience. Like, it's a feeling. It's... You know, the feeling that you get when you're driving the car or, you know, just cruising around or going to get groceries, whatever the case may be. Like, it's a performance-oriented vehicle, and it's a feeling that you get from driving it. And that's Well, I mean, again, not to linger on it, but a lot of people over the course of time have thought the Mustang was ruined. Uh, 
I mean, is a 459 horsepower four-door Mustang Mach-E any worse than an 88 horsepower <laughs> four-cylinder yeah. box body or a yeah. Mustang two with about 100 horsepower? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what would you rather drive? Exactly. And then not even counting, you know, or just throwing in the all-wheel drive and it's got 612 torque. Well, the performance, the GT Performance Edition has 612. But, I mean, that's more than my supercharged 2015. Yeah, I rode in the base model and it moves out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so you rode it um, at the the launch in L.A.? You got to ride in it there, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I got to ride in it. What'd you think? I, I mean, again, like, I'm comparing it to a conventional two-door sports coupe Mustang, yes, it's not the same thing. It's an SUV, and it's never going to, I think, appeal to somebody who wants two doors and a V8 up front. But, you know, for somebody that can't own a car like that, for Ford to use the branding... I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think people will come to grips with it. And I think once people see in the real world what the vehicle is capable of, not just for performance, but like you said, the overall lifestyle and experience, I think people will learn to accept it. I mean, people love Teslas. I mean, they're sleek-looking cars. You know, they don't make a two-door coupe, um, at least not right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and people love them. I mean, they're, it's, a, it's an exciting car to drive, exciting technology. And to be, I'll leave with this note. If we want to have V8 Mustangs that burn gasoline, we have to have the electric car based on what the government is telling Ford Motor Company and other manufacturers. They have to build cars like this. And it's going to allow guys like Dave Parasak to continue to give us the V8 Mustangs and the EcoBoost Mustangs that, you know, we're used to and we love. Exactly. So. That's, no, that's, that's where we stand on that. That's a, that's a good point to leave on. But let's talk a little bit more about you, Evan, and then let's get over to the GT500. What uh, what kind of got you in the automotive world, and uh, how did you end up running that uh, quarter-mile time with the GT500? Wow, what got me in the automotive world? Well, cars have pretty much been my life since I've been a little kid. Um, I got pictures of myself as a, as a baby, practically, or... Uh, you know, a young child riding on electric cars and holding cars and playing with cars. My parents said it was the first word out of my mouth. I can't tell you why the attraction, but cars have always been more important to me than sports or uh, a lot of other things. I probably should have done better in school <laughs> when I was busy drawing cars and reading Hot Rod magazines. Yeah. But it kind of worked out. Um, went to school for automotive technology. Went to the workplace as a line tech, hated it, did not want to work on cars at the dealership level. Uh, went back to school for English and journalism. And at the time, I was working at Raceway Park at Englishtown and just got, I did everything there. Water box, time slip booth, announcer, fell in love with drag racing, um, you know, even before I worked at the track. But through working at the track, really got to experience drag racing on so many different levels. And at the same time, I met guys like Jim Camposano and John McCartney and a lot of the magazine guys at the time, Donald Farr, who, you know, were already in the industry and uh, a guy named Steve Collison, who's no longer with us, who is the editor of Muscle Mustangs and Fast Forward, gave me a chance to have some photos published and to write some stories. And it just took off from there. It's all I ever wanted to do after that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, just like I got an opportunity and I really focused on learning photography and 
paying attention in drag racing. I I still have the 87 five liter LX that I bought new. Nice. So I've been drag racing, you know, that car since 1987. Um, a lot of people know the history of that car. It was project stalker in, in the magazine for a long time. Um, and then let's see around 2014, the company wanted, after moving to Florida, wanted me to move to LA. I didn't really want to pick up and leave and go 3000 miles away. So I just, decided to start my own little company, Revan Media, and still write for, you know, a lot of the titles that are under those under the umbrella over there at Discovery now, Hot Rod Magazine, and did some stuff for Car Craft. Every once in a while, I do some, some stuff for Muscle Mustang. They kind of do their own thing now. Um, and I do a lot with Ford Motor Company. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's where, you know, kind of the, we're leading up to, you know, making the the pass in the GT500. So why don't you kind of, because obviously, you know, this had to be in the works for a little bit. So why don't you kind of just run us through, you know, what you were thinking um, as far as, you know, from a drag race perspective, you know, maybe what you thought, what the car was going to run, and then, you know, just touch base and kind of tell us your experience on on that whole ordeal. Sure. So, um a lot of the things I do with Ford revolve around, obviously, Mustangs. And with my drag racing background, the um, the engineers bring me in from time to time. I won't call myself like a full-fledged test driver like a Billy Johnson, but uh, I've been brought in on GT350 and all the GT500s since, I think, 2010 or 2011 to help do drag racing development to make sure that the launch control system works good, to make sure the car can go down the drag strip properly. Um, so I get to be involved at a fairly early stage before the cars are released. And I got to do that on the current GT500 as well. And I did that on Cobra Jet 2 for a couple of years as well. Got to oh, be a man. test driver, which That's was cool. really fun. From, I think, 2012, 13, and 14, I got to do development driving with Ford. So that, that's pretty neat. But on the current GT500, um, I got brought in by Ford and helped, you know, just kind of go through the launch control systems. And it's far more advanced than people even can imagine as far as setting up a system that, that you know, can launch the car, especially now when you have a DCT. So it's releasing a clutch mechan- uh, automatically yeah. through the computer system. And you can adjust the RPM from 1200 to 3200. So, you know, and essentially it goes on to like a two step when you have your foot on the brake and then you just floor it once you're in launch control. Um, so I get to work on that kind of stuff. That's awesome. And part of that, uh, part of me doing that, um, which I never got to do in the past was I was allowed to bring like cameras and do media wrapped around testing the car. So, the 1061 at 133 I ran was months and months and months before the official press launch of the car, which you can see all that stuff in my video on YouTube yeah. on the GT500, but you can, we can get to that in a bit. So I'm involved. We, we're at the track. We do private testing. And, you know, the guys are making changes to the car. They're working on all different systems uh, to make sure that the car really performs. And one of the things that they were after was making the car easier to drive or easy to drive. Anybody who's driven an earlier GT 500 knows not they're fast, but you've got to be an artist with 
662 horsepower and 617 pound feet of torque and a clutch pedal uh, with a low profile low profile tire to get the car out of the gate efficiently. You got to yeah. be pretty good. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, and again, everybody thinks they're a great driver, and I'm not trying to <laughs> say people aren't, but it's really hard to get a good 60 foot and the power shift that that older Tremec with the heavy clutch and to you know get 11 second runs out of those cars it's not easy yeah um so unfortunately you find people with all that horsepower going 12 some people even going 13 um this car if you've never been on a drag strip before in your life and you have basic understanding of how to operate the car you're going to go low 11 and if you know what you're doing behind the wheel as far as you know a nice burnout and staging shallow you're going to go instantly in the 10 Wow. As long as it's not, you know, 9,000 degrees out. If it's, yeah. if it's a decent track, you know, prep, prep track, and you know what you're doing. And I watched on the press launch, you know, there's four days of, of drag racing and, and road course racing, and they're hot lapping the heck out of the cars. And I've, I watched people who, you know, don't even write for performance magazines. They might write for Women's Day or whatever, um, get in the car with no experience, and turn a low 11 second time at 129 Jeez. or 30 miles an hour, which, you know, there are people who will never go that quick in their lives. Yeah. They just dream of having a car like that, you know, and this, of course, it's an expensive car, but literally anybody could get in this thing and go fast. Yeah. And so, the 10 six you ran, I mean, it was all stock. That's it. Anyone can buy that vehicle. It's not like you, I mean, I'm sure you guys possibly did some, uh, some safety equipment and if not, anything, we didn't even have not, well, uh, not, the only thing I was wearing was a hybrid. There was, that car didn't have a roll bar in oh, it. Wow. They were just factory Jeez. cars. Yeah, no, they were almost close to being final production by that point when we when we did that test where we ran the ten six. Um, now because NHRA, you could go ten flat mm-hmm. before you need a roll bar in a two thousand and eight or newer car. So you don't even need a roll bar to go to drag strip and have fun with your GT five hundred. Um, it's not a bad idea. They made to put one in. If you're going to race a lot, especially road course, but it's not required by NHRA. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's really, really a capable car. The literally the only modification I did to the car was lower the rear tire pressure and raise the front on those runs. I think I put like 42 in the front. I had 28 in the back, but that's it. Stock tires. Wow. Jeez. Rocket ship. 760 horsepower. I mean, all to the ground. Wow. You get the car in good weather and you put a set of drag radios on it where you can use the 3200 launch on a decent track. And I think you'll go quicker than, I don't know about like super low 10s, but I'm sure that there's a 1050 in it, maybe a 1040, depending on, uh, again, I don't know how much more power you'll get in great weather. Um, but I'm, I'm sure you'll get some power if, I think the Delta, when we went to Vegas, it was like right around 4,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And I went at 1089. So call that a 1090. Mm-hmm. So it lost three tenths and three mile an hour going up that much. Now, I was at about 1,000 feet corrected when I made the 1060. So you, if you could find sea level weather, you know, zero, zero, you know, density altitude. Mm-hmm. It'll probably pick up a tenth and a half, and then if you could put some tires on it. Um, now we, we we didn't have a problem spinning in Bradenton, but 
I think I was only 2,800 on the launch. So if you can get a good tire on it, you can go to the full 3,200. That might be worth, you know, another tenth or so. So there's probably two, maybe a little more than two tenths left. Now you go to Atco in November or Cecil County where you get, you know, really superhero weather, 40 degrees out, 50 degrees out. And I could see it going at 10, 30 or 40. But Easily. that's which yeah. is pretty amazing, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. and and then you can go right to the road course and run the car. It's a very well well rounded car. I mean, I'm excited to see yep. it get into the, everyone's hands, and then I mean, especially the aftermarket companies, they're going to oh, be yeah. chomping at the bit to throw their parts on yeah, it and no, get the low, get those low numbers. But another thing that I keep thinking about, and I think the reality sets in because being in automotive and being around it all the time, I think we kind of get numb to like power and, and yeah. just the capability of these cars, but. If you think back, be be a, a consumer for a minute, even a first time owner, or even just like your your midlife crisis, you go get this vehicle from a dealership, and you go straight to the track and run that kind of time, and then you can go get groceries in it. <laughs> exactly, the, the the capability of this car is 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 really just like it's it's pretty much groundbreaking at this point. It is, and you do get jaded because you know you, you look at like the 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 O five Mustang was like a thirteen seventy car. Um, it was maybe a mid 13, I think I went 1350 with one stock. Um, and I think the earlier car, like the Oh four was 1370s maybe. So it was like a very small jump in performance, even though it had like 40 more horsepower, it was heavier. Um, and, and, and to think a mid 13 second car was, you know, was not that long ago, even though it was Oh five. But really, 09 or 010, it really didn't get a power increase. So, 010. Now we're at almost, we're at 020. So, 10 years later, and Ford's giving you a car that goes 10, mid 10s, really, you know, like well into the 10. So, like, when, when would you say you got into, you know, just drag racing? You said like 86, 87? Uh, well, when you say get into drag racing, like the first big, drag race I attended was the summer nationals as a kid, probably mm-hmm. in like, uh, like 1983 or four. Well, what I was getting but at is I like, didn't even have my license yet. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> nice. what back then, you know, and let's just say the mid to late eighties, what was the, like the fast number? Like what was in a, a, a quarter mile lap that was just like, wow, that's blazing fast. Oh, well, you know, when the, when the Fox bodies came out, obviously you know, 79, but I'm talking like 86, 87, when it really started to get the, the 200 and the 225 horsepower, which, ooh, that was big horsepower <laughs> back then. <laughs> right? Yeah, um, it's crazy to think if that. you could row to gears and go, and go low 14 with a stock car, you were doing really well. Um, if you ordered, like Tony DeFeo or them guys, some of them guys ordered um, coupes and strip models and they were going, like they could dip in the 13s I struggled to get in the 13s because my car is 273s. So I think I got, I think I ran a 13 once and I probably have about a hundred times. Let's say 14. I on them. <laughs> um, and I still have all those times. That's awesome. That is cool. So that was kind of quick. And then the guys who did like figured out like the 10 minute tune up did headers and slicks and skinnies. Them guys started going 12 and that was like, probably like around 88 or 89 and that was just mind-boggling it was like you couldn't believe because think about it like now 302 fox body mustangs were pretty much as fast if not faster than their classic muscle cars so yeah you went from like 
the 60s and 70s with these big block cars that like were 12 second cars or whatever to like the um the emissions crunch and the gas crisis and then in the early 80s the muscle car kind of made its return with the mustang gt and the z28 and then like even the buick grand national in like 84 whatever when it like came back without intercooler but then by like 86 7 and 8 the cars like really started to run hard and that's when i think the magazines really got going and the aftermarket started to jump on things and really start think about it like you know edelbrock all these companies they built holly carburetors and edelbrock manifolds for small and big block chevy and ford but in the late 80s they started to build car parts specifically for the mustang Mm -hmm. intake manifold shorty headers like that that was something that like hadn't happened in a really long time where aftermarket companies were building parts for a specific model car up until then it was really just generic stuff right like you had a set of headers that fit 10 different cars or a holly carburetor or an intake manifold for a small block chevy or a big block chevy or whatever like i said but they weren't for a specific car yeah now companies like bbk came along and they were building throttle bodies and headers that were like specific to the fox body mustang so like to me that was the turning point right there where it really kicked into high gear yeah and i think that's one of the reasons that must mustang has thrived for so long you you know they cater to modifying or just the enthusiasts like no one wants to just buy a car and drive it how it came from the showroom everyone wants to personalize it modify it make it go faster make it look cooler yeah and then and Something just that I, I, I can't put a finger on what it was. I think maybe just because the Mustang was inexpensive compared to the IROC or the Z28. So you, you now could get a V8 car with a stick shift that worked really good at the drag strip. You could go road racing with it. But, you know, the movement of drag racing with Fox body Mustangs in the late 80s and early 90s was was something that almost never happened before where so much attention revolved around one kind of car. I mean, you had the Buick rivalry, you did have the Camaro rivalry, you had the aftermarket supporting it. You had magazines like Muscle Mustangs and Fast Forwards dedicated to one, kind of one specific kind of car. And then it took another leap with like Fun Ford Weekend and NMRA. Now you've had two race series dedicated to it. So you know, they don't have the National Camaro Race Series. They don't have the National Buick Race Series. Yep. But they got the National Mustang Race Association, you know, NMRA. Mm-hmm. And it still exists, right? Yep, so it sure does. The, the the popularity speaks for itself. Man. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch base a little bit um, with you being, because I, I know you're everywhere. You get to cover and see all the cool stuff and you being deeply involved with Ford and, you know, and some of the specific, you know, drag racing programs, helping them out with that. What is, you know, like a, a Mustang that sticks out to you that either you've either photographed, got to drive or feature. What's one of those cool Mustang stories that you'd like to share with us if you have one? Oh my God. There's quite, there's so many. <laughs> um, wow. Cause I've driven all different Celines and things like that. Oh, I, I could probably tell you a hundred different stories, but I guess one specific one that's kind of fun is uh, I want to think around like 1996. Super Stallion? I was out. Well, the Super Maybe. Stallion was cool, but I'm going to tell you a story about a Celine. All right. Um, so Jim Camposano at the time and myself were out in L.A. to drive the new Celine. Um, 
it was 1996 or late 95 because we also it was the first time we had driven a 96 GT Mustang GT mm-hmm. and I remember we did I'm going to I'm I'm leading up to the story we were at Carlsbad Dragway and we did everything we could to get this thing to run a 14 I mean we was so disappointing right like Ford came out this whole new engine and we barely got it in the 14 at the same on the same day we had a uh, a 96 Celine S351 naturally aspirated car that I think I want to say it ran 1240s. Okay. But this particular car was like blindingly fast on the street, even though that sounds kind of kooky because it only ran 1240s. But it had like, it just had a really good sound to it. Big 351. And I'm pretty sure Koontz and company built the engine for that thing. Um, so we go out into the desert to do some photography on the car. And I said to Jim, wouldn't it be really cool if like you sat in the back seat? And I run the thing up to like 140, get a picture of the Speedo for the magazine. And we were on this desolate road. There was nobody there except the photographer, me and Jim. So I go blasting up the road and I'm running the thing up through the gears and it's not stopping. Like it's just pulling like crazy. 140, 150, 158, 160. He's not telling me to stop and I'm not stopping. (laughs) So I got my foot like buried on the firewall. I shove it up in the fifth gear and the thing is just howling like a freaking NASCAR cup car. It's just screaming its guts out and it's still climbing. I'm just peeking down at the speedo and it's like 174, 175. And still he's, all I hear is his camera clicking and he's not telling me to stop. And I can't believe he's not telling me to stop. Right. Cause like I was scared. Yeah. And, uh, long story short, we saw 180 miles an hour yeah. in this thing. I take my foot out of it. We're coasting down. I'm probably at 140, and I turn around. I'm like, how about that? That was crazy, right? And the look, the terrified look on his face, he's just like, turn around and look at the road. Because 140 felt like felt nothing like, after yeah, going 180. Exactly. Jeez. So we get, we get to the, like, and we were like in the middle of nowhere. So we get to the end of the road. I make the U-turn to turn back around. And I got no power steering Uh-oh. going so fast straight that I didn't realize that it blew the belt off the thing. Oh, wow. So we, we get the thing back. We're in the middle of the desert. So it's like, there's nothing there. We get, I get back to the photographer. Thankfully he had his car there and, uh, popped the hood of course. And it had broken. I didn't know this at the time, but it had broken a, a plastic piece off of the air pump and it cut the belt. Like a little chunk came off and it was just enough to tear the belt, the belt shredded. These two guys come up to us out of nowhere and they're literally like, Hey guys, are you with motor trend? And we're like, (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And they're like, and I'm so dumb and naive at the time. I'm like, what do you guys do? They're like, we work in town. I'm like, and Campy's like smacking me like, shut up. Yeah. They're like, we got a belt back at the house for our 350 Chevy. So long story short, they come back with this belt. I thought we were dead. They come back with this belt. I try to route the belt. So like, I'll, I know I just need the alternator and the water pump to work to get back. So I figure the belt out. I make it work, and I'm missing by like a quarter inch. I can't get the, the um, idler to work. Yeah, It's getting dark. We're freezing. A car comes by, and all we wanted was the tire iron out of the car so we could like fry the thing. We didn't have any. And it's not like you could go to the port store at this point in time and order a belt for a 351. Celine Mustang because it didn't exist. Yeah. (laughs) 
So the guy literally looks at us and drives off. Camposano gets so mad, he literally like gets like Superman strength and pushes the, I don't know how he did it. He pushes the, the uh, tensioner down with one hand, pops the belt on, and we drive off. I got Jeez. the belt in the water pump the wrong way. But I don't care. I'm like, it's going to flow water, <laughs> and we're going to go. Limp it home. And we yeah. made it. And it lasted all the way back like that. In fact, it lasted like three days for like that. That is awesome. So, yeah, that's – and he somewhere he has pictures. I think somewhere I have a picture of the Speedo at like 179 miles an hour, indicated anyway. You need to so send that, that to us. That would be awesome. Fun. I have the photo somewhere. I have Heck to find yeah. it. I'm sure, I think I scanned it at some point. And then I wrote a whole story about it. He wrote, or he wrote a story about it, like that he was going to kill me. And <laughs> I feel like we could do yep. a whole a whole session on just cool stories like that. For real, we might have to get you back on. No, yeah, I got cool. I got dozens of stories about some of the vehicle tests. I mean, there was one test we did of the Bullet Mustang, the the '08 Bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah where I'm on my best pass. I'm in English Town. I mean, I know I launched good. I jam it in third. This bird swoops out of nowhere, and I cream the bird. The bird's, like, impaled on the antenna that's now bent <laughs> backwards and stuck in between, like, the passenger side mirror and the and the A, a pillar of the yeah. car. I mean, bird guts all down the side oh, of the car. Oh, I, I think it went 1327, <laughs> but I wasn't lifting, you know. Yeah, I, I no. knew, you could just see the thing was going to come. Usually birds fly out of the way. <laughs> this one, he had a death wish. Yeah, he did. That is great. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of good stories with Most John Coletti time. testing the Ford GT and things like that. Heck yeah! Well, you know one one thing that that we ask um, all of our guests, we want to hear if you could build the ultimate Mustang, buy the ultimate Mustang. Um, it, it may be out there, it may be in your head. What would it be? Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> well, I probably could build ten different ones, but I'm just going to wing it off the top of my head. Yep. I would love to have. A teal 93 Cobra with, like, a hopped-up, like, 500-horsepower Coyote in a six-speed with, like, a really capable suspension, big brakes. I know that would be, like, sacrilegious to modify a a 93 Cobra that much, but that, to to me, would be, like, the the best-looking Fox ever in my mind with a modern, really kick-ass powertrain that, you know, has more than 235 horsepower. And I'm, I'm, I'm digging the teal, too. Oh, yeah. They didn't make many of those. No. Definitely. Nah. Yeah, I mean, it but all stock cars. looking on the all stock looking on the outside. Sleeper sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Go for the sleeper effect, yeah. That is awesome. So well, I think we can uh, we can wrap this up. We appreciate it, but we want to hear or share with our audience, you know, where they can find you. I know you've, you're – I follow you on Instagram follow, or subscribe to your YouTube channel. That way they can keep in touch and stay up to date with all the cool stuff you got going on. Yeah, so my my Instagram is uh, official Ford guy with underscores in between the two words, and then uh, if you're not a Ford fan or you just like drag racing or other motorsports or whatever else, I have Evan J Smith photography on Instagram, and I put a lot of just like all kinds of stuff because I do shoot like a lot of different stuff, um, kind of like charting my travels. Yeah. So that's that's it's kind of fun Instagram to look at. But official sure. Ford guys like my main one. Um and then on YouTube I am simply Revan Evan, R E V A N and then my name Evan. And uh you'll find a lot of cool content. I'm kind of in the process of building the channel. We're really just getting going, but I got some cool videos, Fox Body stuff and nice. new stuff and you know, new car reviews and 
you can comment on my Facebook channel. I got a Revan Evan um, Facebook channel, of course, my regular channel. I'm almost at the limit, I think, of how many people I can accept as friends, but you can certainly <laughs> follow. And nice. I'm always willing to listen to people who want to send a message as far as yeah. like, hey, do a video on this, or I'd like to see a story on that. I write for Hot Rod Magazine regularly, so you can see my stories there. And uh, I'm, I just I just signed up on that. I don't know if you guys have seen the app yet, TikTok. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. like a video app. So I yep. just signed up on that as Revan Media, which is the name of my business. I tried to get Revan Evan. So I, I put a, a couple of videos up, and that seems like it's a pretty neat app, too. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't use Twitter that much, but I think I'm at, it's Evan1320. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. This is outstanding. Definitely, Evan. Thank you so much, guys. Go give him a follow. And Evan, we'll definitely pull you back into uh, Mustangology to get some more stories out of you. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Thank Evan. you, sir. That is super cool. Wow. We'll have to put all of his links. I know he he yeah. listed a bunch, but I'll put them in the description. That way, if Definitely. Uh, they didn't hear it, and they can just find it easier. Maybe we can get him back on and talk about the mock. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff. There's a, I'm I say sure that quietly because you can't hear it. <laughs> we'll whisper. <laughs> so, cool. Well, good stuff, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us for another episode of Mustangology, and we will see you next time. See ya.